This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. So I will cut a little system of a down. Um, we'll trim it a little and start the show. Um, Wait, can you, can you tell me when somebody like transported the Beltway to Michigan? Yeah, what the hell is going on? Okay, we'll get into that. That, that, that is a co-host, uh, recent graduate from Syracuse University. What is it? Was in the Morehouse broadcast? Morehouse, yeah, close enough. What, new, yeah, new house. The SI Newhouse School of Communications. Can you can you list off a few uh, Jasper uh, fellow alumni now? Oh, Mike. Well, uh, Mike Tarico, Sean McDonough, Ted Koppel, Marv Albert, Bob Costas. Shall I continue? Oh, Matt uh, Derry. The Matt. <laughs> uh, come on, beat me to it. The immortal Matt Derry. Matt Derry, who does not have his name on the Newhouse Hall of Fame, although a very good friend of mine in this media market does. So good for him. And Mike Rostein. I don't know who you're talking about. Never heard of him. <laughs> Sounds a like a dagger. nice Italian boy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we could get into some Mike Rothstein stories if we wanted to, but then I think you'll, your connection with him would be completely. I right. have no Mike Rothstein oh, stories. Okay. No, I do. Oh, I have a recent one. Well, kind of. Well, you're yeah, not on this show, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not while I'm here. So anyway, uh, uh, Jasper is co-hosting today, uh, and I have a bone to pick with him right off the bat. I, I was actually Ooh. here before five o'clock. We could have started the show at 5 o'clock. Jasper agreed a few weeks ago after Spiro unceremoniously quit the program that he would be the uh, new co-host. So last week he was supposed to be here, and and we discussed this on last week's podcast. All over Facebook, I saw pictures of you uh, in your cap and gown. Graduating, congratulations! Walking, by the way, a, 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 the carrier. I looked great. The car- as always, so modest. The, wait, well, it, it's going to get worse before it gets, <laughs> oh, before it gets better. So walking in the you know down the uh, aisle there at the carrier dome, uh, getting his uh, diploma. Not not yeah, they don't send those well, out to September, but close okay, enough. Close enough. Close enough. You're doing. You're dabbing up there, making. I got local, on the news. Yeah, making local news. A complete spectacle. Not only on your Facebook page, uh, I had to see your dad on his Facebook page, which I don't know why your dad has a Facebook page, but uh, 
He he. Have you ever like checked out my dad's no, Facebook page? No. It's disturbing. He posts so much weird. Should we, crap should we on say there. who your dad is? The infamous uh, Francesco Apollonia. Yeah, the uh, chef at the uh, world-renowned uh, Bella Piatti. Bella Piatti in downtown. Located Birmingham. across from the Townsend. Yeah. If you want a genuine Italian food, you can uh, check out Jasper's dad, who is the head chef. That he is. That be his title there. Executive so, chef as well. Executive chef. So. All over Facebook, all weekend, I see pictures of you graduating. Then later, like on Sunday night or Monday morning, I get a text message from you saying, shit, I can't come Tuesday. I have to figure out my credits. Okay, what kind of bullshit excuse is that? Even if it's true that you do have some credit, that's what you're telling me is the reason after I had to spend my entire weekend looking at pictures of you graduate? Right, because you couldn't have done that like after seven. And not only not only that, if that wasn't bad enough, <laughs> or uh, before uh, his second Five. week, he shows up seven minutes late and blames it on Google Maps. What kind of job audition is this? I mean, at least like Justin just well, played around and said he was going to be late, and actually like was it? If, if so. you let me tell you this, Moss, if you pay Who are me, you Benji Braun? No, 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 if you start paying me, I will be here. On time, every time. Uh, I just offered you a pink vibrator in the lobby. <laughs> that is true. Those are expensive. Yeah, I don't know if you guys can have it, those. But yeah, we, yeah. I'm waiting for permission on that. So what was the story with the vibrators? Like, I don't know. There's like a box of vibrators on the table. Really, really pink vibrators. Yeah. Uh, but they had vibrators.com on last night. Not like the whole, <laughs> uh, not everybody Vi- from. Vibrators.com? Like, yeah. Someone's got that well, name and they were in this studio. Wait, oh, wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. Oh, we're yeah. getting distracted here. We're getting distracted here. I have to defend this myself. This place gets okay. weird. Oh, right. About you. Back to that. Yes, please. Let's <laughs> let's focus on what's really important. Hold Me. on. Before you do that, uh, Dave, Jasper and I both want a vibe. So Yeah, I, I, I asked him. He's well, not answering, but he's in a meeting. Clear- we're trying to get some clearance. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, now go on with your defense. Those things are expensive man it's like 120 bucks for a good one anyway uh when i i had to stay in syracuse for an extra day in order to get Mm -hmm. my credit situation figured out because i was going to be two credits short of actually graduating now i have gotten one of those credits sorted out the other one which i failed was a class i failed um what class was that that would be a taekwondo <laughs> <You pussy>. <laughs> <laughs> I failed Taekwondo. Yeah, uh, I, I failed two classes in my entire college career. Both of them were PE, so that says a lot about me. Uh, it says a lot about the students at Newhouse as well. We are not the most active bunch. Isn't Taekwondo yeah, feel- just like stances and stuff? Like it's like the easiest martial art you can possibly do. Yeah, pretty much. Well, <laughs> all right. The thing is, checking. the thing is, I didn't like fail because I wasn't good at it. You sh- didn't show up. I just didn't show up. Okay. I showed up to like forty percent of the exactly. class. So, <laughs> all right. Well, so, not, so you're here. Yes, I am all here. Right. I will be here for the foreseeable future. I have worked oh, it fun. out with my other place of work. Can you get a credit for doing this show? Probably, like probably not. <laughs> Why not? I'm gonna go just take like a tennis class at OCC oh. or whatever. I think you should get a. I think you should be able to get a credit for doing the DSR podcast. I mean, you should get something out of it. I well, other, other the only that, I was gonna say the pink, only uh, pocket rock. The only thing I'm gonna get. <laughs> I think the only thing I'm gonna get out of this show is blackballed. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Seems more I'm, I'm, we're, and it, which we're, we're, that's gonna get us into the uh, next topic of conversation because this and Jessica's gonna have. To oh, chime first in before it. that, thank yeah. you for everybody that shared podcast Detroit's you know post. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. What was that? Some article that they wrote about? Yeah, for Daily Detroit. Um, the guy was in here Saturday, actually, interviewing Dave. So. Oh, yeah. So there was an article in, in Daily Detroit 
right. about the podcast Detroit Network, about IT and the D, uh, the other shows, uh, the Detroit Sports Rag yep. uh, was mentioned. Complete dagger in the same sentence as the DSR <laughs> podcast. I was they had, dying when I had, saw they that. They had to also mention <laughs> the irony. Uh, Theo Spite's uh, slapdick Lions program that's broadcast oh, out of this network. Mm-hmm. What a bull. Well, hey, a DSR recording <laughs> enthusiast, Theo Spite. Exactly. One of these days, Theo and I will get on the same page. When's the Thanksgiving album? Dropping? No, you guys will probably just have Fight Club in the parking lot. Yeah, that, That's I, probably I more doubt that likely. will go. Doubt that would go any better for me than Jasper's Taekwondo class. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Gridiron would kick my ass. I'm pretty sure you'd do exactly what I did, just well, not show, not show up. up. Exactly. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. So here was the big controversy that Jessica's going to need to chime in on. Ooh. So now, I mean, we can make all the jokes that we want, but Jasper did go to the preeminent uh, broadcasting school in this country, Syracuse, as he listed off and rattled off some of the names of some of the you know biggest uh, sports broadcasters in the business. Both both of the biggest uh, f- football announcers in the business now, Sean McDonough yeah, and Mike Tirico. Exactly. Uh, Will McDonough, his son, mm-hmm. uh, Sean. So this is, this is not really a joke. Uh, he's, Jasper is trying to get a job in – a mainstream media, and I'm sure one day he will, and be as successful as uh, someone like a Matt Derry. Well, well <laughs> you talk about daggers, yeah. Jesus. No, I'm saying I'm, you're, that's the at least at least at that level. I'm, I'm saying you'll get to, but so divorce. J- j- oh. He's just saying that's why, the why worst he, he could do. Why you know what? Why is he bringing me down into the mud? I'm trying to keep this at a nice. High level. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We don't need your negativity yeah, in here, exactly. Jasper. Oh, of course. <laughs> okay. We wouldn't want anything like that around so, the DSR. So, here, so here's the big question. Okay. Jasper's name is Jasper Apollonia. That's his real name given uh, by his parents, Francisco. Fra- Francesco. Francesco. To interject, my full name is Jasper Marinovich Apollonia. Yeah, we're going to get to that. So now Jasper has been uh, in consultation with, I guess, some professors at Syracuse, some other people that he trusts in the – uh, broadcasting and media world, and he believes that he has to change his name because it's unpronounceable. It's unpronounceable. If, if you just, read I think it, it's unspellable. Maybe to some, it people. is. This is true. The, but the I double P, think, the one L. I get it all the right. time. It's very, but I don't think it's that hard to announce your name. I don't think it's that difficult. No, it's really not at okay? all. So we took a poll on the on my uh, Twitter feed yesterday. Because Jasper, last week, all of a sudden started going by the name Jasper Marinovich. Last week, yesterday. Oh, okay. It started yesterday. Oh, was that, that when it was? Yes. Okay. So yesterday, all of a sudden, I see his name being Jasper Marinovich. Uh, and I'm like, what the f- What? Do you what think that's this? easier to pronounce for some reason? Look, it's got name recognition. Yeah. Of, of a failed quarterback. In the NFL. A brand's a brand, baby. <laughs> okay, so he wants to go by the name Jasper Marinovich. Nobody in the DSR Facebook page thought this was a good idea. I mean, unanimously. I agree these with are, them. These are people Completely. who couldn't agree if we were currently sitting in a studio in Royal Oak. There'd be at least 25% of the people would say, no, you're in Rochester Hills. Every single person said, Jasper Marinovich is a terrible fucking name so we took a poll and the poll was new dsr co-host jasper apollonia syracuse wants to change his name for show business reasons what should he do should he change it to jasper marinovich change it to jasper apollo 
which at least that's Pal- a, that's better. Well, it's, it's short it's for better. Apollonia. If he, if, it's, if the confusion is the name, I thought that was better. Keep it Apollonia. Here's how the vote came out: forty three percent said keep it the same way. Forty percent said Jasper Apollo, which is right there neck and neck. Seventeen percent, eighty three percent of the people said do not change it to Jasper Marinovich. It's horrible. What, 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 what do you think? Who is consulting you on this? Okay. The same person, the same person who was giving it career advice to Matt Derry? Was that? <laughs> I don't think anybody's given Matt Derry career advice. Okay, so can you make your case for Jasper Marinovich? Sure. My, my case is this. It is an easier name to remember. It is an easier name to spell. And it's a name that people already know how to pronounce in the sports media world. I had to deal with multiple co-hosts on my radio show back in Syracuse who could not pronounce my freaking name. It happened multiple times. Multiple times. So it has to be changed. Apollonia is not on the table, okay? I believe the 43% are old men like you who listened to <laughs> Prince and uh, and knew what purifying yourself in that's, the waters of Lake Minnetonka was years before Chappelle's okay, show ever came that, out. Okay, that's fine. But look... Prince just died. You should be taking you look. I'd rather change my your name to Morris Day in the Time than Jasper Marinovich. It's it's in the new Apollonia is now in the news. You should be taking advantage of that instead of changing your name to a failed quarterback. It's not with being- a, a psychotic father who drove him to drinking. I believe well, among other things. I mean. You know, sociopathy, drinking, uh, that's all what I'm about. Being a backup <laughs> JVQB, that's that. Cranbrook, 09, let's go. Has the poll go not cranes. changed your mind at all? How about your good friend? The poll, the poll how, has changed my mind. How about your mind. good friend, Scott, the, n- not not the virginal man, well, Anderson, who is just completely bombing you? It'll be a cold day on Satan's taint when I listen to Scott Anderson <laughs> for career advice, okay? So any Scott Anderson for career advice. I, I will admit, 83% against Jasper Marinovich is overwhelming, as is the DSR's decision that it is an objectively worse name in their eyes. So that, you're still working out the name. And I can't argue that. It might okay. have to change. And it I, might have to change. Okay. What am I supposed to call you today? Just, who gives a shit? 143 IQ? Can I just call you that? Can 145, you it 145 like, but oh, who's sorry, keeping track? Sorry if I shorten it. Can you shorten it to, like, Marin? Jasper Marin. Jasper Marin. Yeah, I don't know. Sounds like a, like a marinating. It's pretty easy steak. to pronounce if that's what you're like looking for. I don't know. I like maybe Apollonia. I'll maybe I'll keep it Apollo because Apollo was my Apollo's second cool. choice. We're gonna switch topics, but I will give you one thing. I will concede on one topic. I would not take any advice from a guy <laughs> who refused to give up his virginity to a girl who later dated a professional hockey player <laughs> and is still dating that yeah. professional and, and hockey I, who, player who I will not name. Yeah, they're vacationing in Prague right now. So, well, that great. Well, <laughs> what I was that didn't. I, they could be anyone. I anyone can vacation in Prague. I wasn't going to give the name. I, you didn't. Neither of us did. That's true, but you've narrowed it down. No, pretty. I haven't. <laughs> okay, Prague's a beautiful city. Uh, beautiful people. Okay. Well, all right. Well, you've probably already destroyed any potential radio career in the first seventeen minutes of it by. Uh, a showing up late and B changing your name to Marinovich. I, <laughs> I just I I don't get that at I all. I think I think showing up at all is what ruined my radio career. But yeah, should we get to that? Which the letter? 
Oh, absolutely. Should we discuss that? I, I think I think that's uh, the most prescient uh, topic uh, relating to the DSR right now. Okay, and, and there's not there's just not that much to talk about. I mean, we we'll, I guess we'll get to the Tigers at some point. We can discuss their recent run uh, of uh, play and whether that's a product of uh, the competition or if it's just because they're a better team than they were showing a few weeks ago. Uh, spoiler alert, I believe it's the latter. I don't really think it's the competition. I think they're just a very good hitting team, and when they get any sort of pitching, they're going to win. But we'll get into that, have some Red Wings discussion. Uh, nothing really to talk about the Lions or the Pistons, because if we talk about the Pistons, uh, there'll be microphones and equipment being thrown at each other while we discuss Andre Drummond. So we'll probably try to avoid that topic for the first show. Uh, there's only so many co-hosts I can go through in a month. And I, I really can't afford to lose another one. So we're going to talk some DSR business. As everyone knows, uh, a few weeks ago, 105.1, Detroit Sports 105.1, owners of a .8 rating in the Arbitron book for the month of April. Battling it out with Wayne State University Radio. Not even not even anymore. Wayne State like crushed them, I think, in the last book. It was like <laughs> Well, they get like a one two. <laughs> I think they did. It was like one two to point eight. Oh, they God. were still ahead of one station. I could look it up. Uh still getting crushed by gospel. Still getting annihilated by uh WDET. Okay, but in all defense, wouldn't you rather listen to gospel than Tom Mazaway? As an atheist, yes. I would. As a devout atheist, I would I would rather listen to the other Jay Moss singing biblical tunes uh, than Tom Mazaway. As a matter of fact, I'd rather be baptized than listen to Tom Mazaway. I I'd, I'd rather wa- I'd, I'd rather, rather dr- watch you get baptized. Than yeah, to Tom I'd rather not only be baptized, I'd rather be drowned <laughs> and never let up uh, than listen to Tom Mazaway, which is a great segue into this discussion. You're welcome. Uh, thank you. Uh, so. Okay, so we know that Dave Shore was let go by 105.1 program director a few weeks ago. There has been no replacement. I haven't heard anything about anyone interviewing. There's been like radio silence coming from out of that building. I haven't been able to get anything out of any of my sources to know what the hell is going on there. So a couple weeks have gone by, and last week, now a little back backdrop, 13 years I've been doing this website, the DSR. Started in March of 2003. Not once have I ever really legitimately thrown my my hat into the ring for any gig whatsoever. Not with the free press, the news, any of the radio stations. The one time I flirted with maybe doing something was when I was approached by Rob Otto when he was a short-lived uh, program director at was it 1090 WCAR. I but they were gonna, but, but they were gonna take it to ninety seven one. What they were gonna take it to ninety seven one and build the tower. None yeah. of that ever happened. Yeah, and then Seema Branch took it to Rob Otto. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So that never occurred. I was approached. I, which again, I was approached on that that deal uh, because I was, you know, I'm friends with Otto, and he uh, thought that I would be good on the air. So that's basically the only time there was ever any conversation of me having a legitimate gig in the media. Until recently, I've never applied for a job or anything like that. And I still really haven't, but I have kind of thrown my hat in the ring. A week, About a week ago, I guess it was, I sent a LinkedIn message to Buzz Knight, who is the vice president, I believe, of talent 
at Greater Media, who run, that's the, that's the company that owns 105.1. He's out of Boston. He's a pretty big head honcho over there. So I sent him a LinkedIn message saying I wanted to talk to him, you know, discuss what I thought about the future of the station, what kind of ideas I had, and it was kind of tongue in cheek. I was half serious, half tongue in cheek. I told them I wanted to meet at Como's in Ferndale and uh, break bread. So I got a response, surprisingly enough, from Buzz saying that he would get back in touch with me and that uh, kind of agreeing to meet. So about, I don't know, four or five, six days went by. I didn't hear from him. So I sent him on LinkedIn a link to the uh, Como's menu, uh, asking him to review so he could figure out when we meet and have lunch, he could be prepared for what he wanted to eat. And then he responded again instead of saying, what kind of moron are you? <laughs> I've been real busy. I'm going to touch base with you soon. So at that point, this was, a, I think, over the weekend, I decided I was going to write uh, Mr. Knight a long email describing why I thought I should have not only some sort of not, not a say. I wouldn't say in who the next program. But I wanted to just give my two cents to him. Have him listen consult to me. exactly. He just, just listen to what I have to say, and I wrote a thirteen hundred word email to him about the station, about the DSR, about me. Um, haven't heard back yet. That was yeah, that was about twenty four hours ago. Uh, I was. We were all guessing that we were going to get a. Uh, response of thanks, and <laughs> that would be it. But I haven't even gotten that yet. So you've read the uh... – I, I have. I have read the email. So what did you think about the email that I sent? Well, uh, I thought you were a little little self-congratulatory, but that what else Wait a is second. Wait a what second. else is Wait new? a second. You're telling me I was self-congratulatory? Hey, can t- I read a – Takes read, one to know one. Can I read a text message I got from you drunk off your ass the other night? Uh, maybe. I don't know. It depends which one it is. This was this was your idea if 1051 hired you. Can you imagine if they put up a billboard with oh, my yeah. face next to Scott Anderson with a caption like you make the choice. I'm no Brad Pitt, but I feel confident that I would win that matchup. What what are you I, talking I also, about? Wait, it's radio. I also I also came How up with another I also came up with another idea, a segment idea called Eye to Eye with Scott the Gator Anderson. Uh, which yeah, that was that. I like that. That's one. that's a good one. I think that's good. Yeah, that always makes sense. Who cares what you look like? It's radio. I mean, come on. Do you, do you want to listen to an ugly guy or a good-looking guy? I'm hoping ugly, <laughs> based on my 13-word email. 13-word email. Yeah, of course. Well, it was okay. Self-congratulatory. No, no, no. I, I was uh, a, a little inebriated at that yeah. point, so I I was just talking a lot of shit. Um, but I I was serious when I said um, I I do think that 105.1 should be, and I think you agree with me on this. I think 105.1 should go younger. I think they should start developing their own talent rather than taking washed-up talent from around this area. And I think they should – I'm not saying they need to go full Howard Stern on 97.1, but they need to let people know that they are there and they are not just going to sit back and take it. And that was part of my email. And I think they should go full Howard Stern because that's what I would do. Um, I offered my services. I don't know what I could contribute. I have a full-time job. Well, and, and, and but, the thing that I also see there yeah. is we, we've seen in Boston, uh, what, a decade ago, I believe it was, when the two major radio stations there completely went to war. And the underdog, 
uh, I, oh gosh, I can't remember the call letters, well, but W E E I W. Well, W E E I was the big dog at the time, and they completely got taken down a notch. Now they've started to work their way back up, but those were for a lot of my friends. I have a lot of friends from Boston. For them, they considered that to be the best period in the sports talk radio history of Boston, and of course it was. Right. You see it with Howard Stern when he went after his competition. They refused to go back after him because they were scared or uh, they thought if they ignored him, he'd just go away. And they lost. And they lost. And that's how you lose. You need to, if you're the underdog, if you're somebody like 105.1 who's got no audience, no sustained audience. Not even if you're, not even if you're the underdog. Stern wasn't even the underdog. Uh, you're, he was going right. in, He was attacking well, people. That is, that is true. But when he started out. Male. When he started out. Right. But he, I mean, he was Imus going, was ahead of him when he went to right. But when he went into a new market, yes, he was the guy who had a book, had a movie. He'd go into any, you know, Las Vegas or sure. wherever he'd go into or Philadelphia against the Bella. And he would just attack, attack, attack until eventually he would bury that person figuratively with a having like a casket outside the studio of that rival station and have a funeral where thousands of people would show up. Well, I mean, can you imagine me beating Valente in the ratings and having a funeral? It would be spectacular. That's a 97-1 studio. That's the goal, people. And if you're 105.1, what do you have to lose? Because the fact of the matter is... Other than your dignity. Well, but you've already lost your dignity. Point eight. Point eight. You have no dignity. You don't. And and I'm somebody, I'm interested, if they are planning on going young, I'm interested in applying to 105.1. Absolutely. Absolutely I am. Because yeah. I well, think if you that... do, when you do, change the first name, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, change your first name. Go get some plastic I'm just surgery, going to change my name to Scott Put Anderson. on about 40 pounds. Yeah. But, but you look at this. What do you really have to lose? Because you're already dead in the ratings. And if you go after 97.1... What what can they do to you? And this you is attack what I them. them. They lose their this credibility is... if they don't say anything. And if they do say something, then they are going to bring new ears to your station because they're going to want to know what you're saying about them. So this is how I sold Buzz. And hopefully I hear back from him one day. Uh, even though the, the absolute chutzpah of me to contact him and, and, and say that I should be part of his station when – I'm, as late as five minutes ago, I was still attacking Tom Mazaway. Uh, I would not stop going after Ryan Armini. I told him this. I told in the email. I said I would if you hired me to be on your station, I would still go after everyone that I thought was bad at your station, just like Howard Stern did with Don Imus, and when he cut Soupy Sales piano wires uh, because he was mad that they put a piano in his studio. Nothing would change. I would go on at. The first show I would go on 105.1 and explain the terrible management that's gone on for the last three years that have led you to this point where you just hired a guy that you once called the cops on at a golf course for golfing. Well, you you and I have a, a little dis, dis, disagreement, my God, if I can get my words out, on this topic. I I do believe that when you start out, if you are 105.1, you need to make it very clear that you were somewhere else than you are now. And you need to make it very clear that the mistakes of the past administration are not going to be continued over into the new administration. And I agree. I think on a certain level, you need to go scorched earth. I, I'm not, I don't believe that you need to bury anyone, but I, need you, I do believe that you need to bury what you were, what you represented. And 
while I don't believe in continually attacking your coworkers, <laughs> I do. I know you do, and I we, have, would. we have a you know we have a but difference of agreement of, right. of opinion on this one. But yes, I do think that you need to hold everyone accountable. Accountability has been lacking at one hundred five point one, and it needs to start. Bring me in and cue the NWO music right away. I mean, seriously, can you imagine? And this is what I sold the guy on. This is, I mean, not sold because I don't think I'll ever sell him. I think this is all pie in the sky and it's going to end up as good fodder for the probably. website one day. Uh, because I'll probably, if, if nothing ever comes of it, I'll have to post the letter because I don't want to get blackmailed one day and say, oh, they're, this guy's attacking me because we didn't hire him. Uh, but what I said was, look, I have more Twitter followers than your station. I did a Twitter audit. They've got half of their followers are fake. I sent that to them. I've got more legitimate. Fo- I did my audit too. I actually paid four dollars to audit 1051's Twitter account. Probably the best four dollars I ever spent. <laughs> of their twenty-seven thousand Twitter followers, half of them are fake. It's in. It's ridiculous. You're you're a fifty thousand watt radio station. Well, right? let's for let, Christ's sake. Let's also not forget that one hundred five point one went on a following spree uh, a couple months ago. Right. And oh yeah. I mean, I yeah. They just follow everyone. They just get follow followers. everyone so they right. can get follows back. So it, it, even that number is which I don't misleading. do. Even exactly. that number is misleading. Right. I only follow people I actually want to hear from. I don't just go following every moron from Wine Dot and River Rouge just so I could get them to follow me. I don't play that game. Uh, so. I, that was the first thing. Second thing I said, I have more of a social media presence than any single person that you currently employ. For example, Ryan Armani, who's on both 105.1 and Fox 2 as a talking head sports guy on the weekend, I have double his social media presence. Let's not even talk about Jake Chapman. Who? Exactly. Rex Chapman? Yeah, Rex Chapman. <laughs> Lindsey Hunter and Rex Chapman on the same station? That's unbelievable. Point guard and shooting guard. They, Fan- they're, they're fantastic. Three, they're three guys away from having a complete NBA, or excuse me, uh, over 40 team. Uh, <laughs> Tom Mazaway. Go down the list. And these people, Sean Belisian, these people are career radio employees who have had the infrastructure of... WDFN back in the day, Mazaway with WJR. These people, their names have been in the ether for decades. I come in 13 years ago as a full-time employee where I have a real job, where I only can work on this at night, basically, as a hobby. Created a website basically with Cran. The original website looked like something that the South Park guys (laughs) shit on. I mean, do you remember the beginning of Team America before they showed oh, the yeah. actual uh, puppet puppeteer thing? The DSR originally looked worse than that. You know how I started, Jessica, getting followers to the website back in 2003? How? Blindly instant messaging people that had like sports, Red Wings, Lions, Tigers, or Pistons in their AOL member search. AOL. AOL. God, that was a long time wow. ago. That's what I would do. I would do a member search, see that they like Detroit sports, and I would send a link to them blindly. Read this. Huh. Okay? 13 years later, I have more of an audience without your 50,000-watt blowtorch. Can you imagine what I could possibly do? Yeah, you were literally just spamming people, and it worked yes. out for you. So well, that's... eventually. I mean, huh. a bar, one bar mitzvah later. But look. 
this would work, people. The competition, and this is another thing I told Buzz, is antiseptic. It's like sterilized like a hospital room, a surgery room, okay? It's brought it's CBS radio by the book. Here's the pamphlet. Do not deviate from this. Do not have guests on. Take X amount of calls an hour. Don't discuss this topic because we don't want to p- piss anyone off. Listen to that garbage product, which currently is basically, during the summer when the Tigers are on, the number one rated sports station in Detroit. I want to get in the the mud and the dirt. I want to fight these people. I, Give me the opportunity to go after Mike Valente, to go after Scott, the virginal manatee Anderson. <laughs> these people would, would crush on, I mean, these people can't handle my blog. Mike Valente was once told by the program director and Terry Foster at his station, you are not allowed to read the DetroitSportsRag.com. This, mind you, after he applied for a job ostensibly at the Detroit Sports Rag. This is a guy who basically told and made a joke to me that when I was going after him about not appearing at sporting events and going to the locker room and press conferences, that because it was because of his girlfriend at the time. Uh, at a later date, when we actually had detente for a little while, uh, he made a joke about having one of his Italian uh, relatives put me in a cement dumpster. Jasper, yeah, from upstate New York. What what are those? No, guys? I, I don't. Yeah, what do those guys do? Smuggle unpasteurized milk across the Canadian border? <laughs> Can you imagine if I went on the air against Mike Valente and did this Howard Stern attack like he did on DeBella? like he did on Mark and Brian in Los Angeles. If I did that to Valente, Valente would be cowering in a closet in his bedroom with his dog dressed up in a Halloween costume by his wife Melissa, pissing his pants. I I don't even think you need to... I would do it. I I know you would. I would do it from day one. I would go after Mike Valente with everything that I have, and he can't handle it. Trust me, we know he can't handle it, Buzz. I, I see. I don't even think you need to go after him every single day, nonstop. I I think all you need to do is just spend a fifteen minute segment once a day. Uh, just spend fifteen minutes on ninety seven one and do do what the DSR has been doing for a long time. Take all the topics, all the crap topics that they talk about. I turned on ninety seven one uh, a couple days ago for the first time in. Damn near five years. And the first topic I heard was, name some famous sports hoodies, sweaters, or t-shirts. What? What? Name famous sports hoodies, sweaters, or t-shirts. That doesn't even make sense. That's not even, like, I don't understand how you can go into the, under the radio with a topic that terrible. Who? Like, What? I agree. That it's would have mind to be part of, That would be part it's of it. It's mind numbing. I would hire two interns whose sole job is what you just said. Yes. Just listen. I know it would be horrible. I know it would be almost worse than some of the torture that they do down at Guantanamo Bay under the Bush administration. <laughs> but two people, some 18 or 19-year-old kids at Specs Howard or something, sitting in a room, not unlike some Chinese kid making fourteen cents an hour to make your iPhone six plus. Well, interns don't even make that actually. Yeah, exactly, so. <laughs> but it wouldn't be unlike that torture. And sit and listen to Stoney and McAllister all day long, 
Listen to Scott Anderson and Benedict Karsh. Listen to Valente and Foster. I guess we'd have to get probably two other interns to listen to Fifian and Leach Caputo and, and what other other what other morons they play in the middle of the night. Well, we'd have to have an EMT, obviously, on the premises just in case somebody has a mental breakdown. <laughs> an EMT? Yeah. We would need a, psychi- a psychiatrist, a psychologist, <laughs> what, what, one of those negotiators who talks down people from trying to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. We need all of that at the studio. I guess we're talking about a pretty big budget now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm probably scaring greater. But two people just no. sitting there listening and... And, and taking tape of all the dumb shit that, that this is your idea, which I agree, on 97.1, play it the next day, and just assassinate them. That would be on top of the personal and the and, sure. and the vitriolic attacks I sure. would make on. And then once a week, you make, their, a segment, their, their you, make a, you make a segment once a week on each. How about this? Each personality gets a segment for a day of the week. Something like that. Who knows? And... What you do is you give it a funny names, you know, eye to eye to, with Scott the Gator Anderson. Which I. Uh, exactly. Uh, something like uh, the Blue Balls Teasing Hour uh, with uh, Doug Karsh or something like that. Because you know how Doug loves to tease out his topics. You know. No, exactly. Oh, we're going to get to the Tigers in three hours. Uh, it's unbelievable. It, it's, Listen, it's, and when we talked about sports, which we would do 90% of the time. Of course. We would be more uh, in tune we would be more knowledgeable, the people that I would bring in. Would the, would people, the people you would bring in know what WHIP stands for? Uh, yeah. And oh. they would also know, unlike Scott, the cardiac arrest waiting to happen, Anderson, that just because Justin Upton started the first month of the season out, there's no possible way to, to uh, void his contract, which is something he was talking about a couple weeks ago. Could the Tigers void his contract? Uh, forget the fact that Justin Upton's going to turn this around and be a valuable member of this team soon. Uh, how about having no idea about the collective bargaining agreement of any sport ever created known to mankind, you fucking imbecile? That's the kind of shit. So we would you'd have the personal attacks, which I would be down for, uh, get in the mud, and you'd have this horrible sports takes, and I'd bring in the young people. I'd bring in you. I'd bring in, bring in Jordan Strack from... Uh, Toledo, Toledo. Uh, Ryan Schuling. Uh, by the way, Ryan, uh, his monologue, he had a monologue a couple days ago that was excellent. I just want to throw that out there, a little cheap plug for Ryan Schuling. Uh, check it out. Yeah, regarding uh, bought and paid for journalists yes. in this town. It, it Which was, we could talk about that for a second huh. because that's a topic I would hit on just like Ryan did. Uh, so Schuling has been trying to get Chris Ayotte on his program uh, for, I don't know, a few months now, and I, I guess, keeps telling him no. Well, last week, unbelievably, I actually had bashed Chris Ayat on last Tuesday's podcast. I go home, turn the Tiger game on, and find out that he sends this tweet out that he is going into his own business and he's leaving M Live as a Tiger beat writer. Now, what did I attack for him for last Tuesday? That all he cares about is eating dinner. Uh, and not being bothered by press conferences late at night when there's a Tigers trade, and racking up Marriott points and Delta frequent flyer mileage. I actually said that we could cue the tape. I said that on Tuesday's show. I go home and find out that he is going into a family business, and one of the things he says in his message to his fans that he's leaving is he's going to miss you know the banter on Twitter, this, that, and he mentions he's going to miss his Marriott points. <laughs> He mentioned it, Jasper. 
You can't make this shit up. He actually mentioned that. Okay? So, he, so, so Ayat goes on there and uh, Twitter after he makes the announcement that he's done, I think, on June 1st or in the next few weeks on MLive. He will have himself as his own boss at that point. He responds to Schuling saying, I hope I can get you on the air before you go. And Ayat responds by saying something to the effect, well, now that I'm no longer going to be employed, I guess I can go on so I'm not, I don't risk getting fired. Like, what are you even talking about? That's the mentality that needs to be attacked in Detroit because that is exactly what you're being spoon-fed on a daily basis. And not only will I go after Valente for being a studio gangster and being a coward, I will go after Valente for coming out and doing his rant about the Lions and how he said he'd been holding back. when He, he had been holding back, he said, when they were the broadcast affiliate. Now I can really tell the truth. That's what he said. Uh, so what Coward. Do you, so what do you? So what do you? I wonder what Sorry. you're hiding. Uh, back, what you're holding back, Mike, on the Tigers and the Red Wings? What are you holding back? If you admitted, well, I I would play that audio. I think he'd need to know something about the Red Wings before he. Well, could yeah, start my Twitter them. feed. My oh, Twitter feed. Course, is what he course. knows about the Red Wings. I would. I have that tape, Mike. First day at one oh five one. I'd cue it up and say, "What a tough guy you are about the Lions," and then play the clip where you said and admitted you had been holding back for years because you were the broadcast partner. That's the kind of shit that I would do on top of everything else. Well, how about even just on a basic radio level? One oh five point one is an ESPN affiliate that does not use its ESPN reporters on it for its programming. One of the first things you have to do is get established a real relationship with great beat writers in this town, like Katie Strang, Why did like take, Mike Rothstein. Katie Strang never made it to the air on 105.1 until I wrote my article saying this is what I would do. If I was the program director, I said I would put on Katie Strang and Mike Rothstein, uh, your good friend, allegedly, and then the next week she's on the air. She should be on at least twice a week. Oh, really? Hmm. You think you should have the uh, the beat writer for the most popular team in town on air? You think people would maybe listen to that? Maybe you'd even bring in a female audience by having a woman on instead of the misogynistic program that you used to have with Drew and Mark Fellhauer. Hell, I maybe mean, maybe you'd bring on horny dudes, too. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Maybe. Like, it shit. No, they need anyone. They I'm, need anyone they, they can get They need any audience that they can get. And... T- let me tell you something. The contrast of that paint-by-numbers radio station where they pick up the fucking phone and just talk to anyone, what, no matter what anyone wants to say, all they do, they sit back, do no show prep, and just rely on idiots from Roseville and Southfield to call up and dictate the show. Well, what they're trying I'm to, not going to allow that. What they're trying to do is beat 97-1. With the exact same formula that 97.1 uses. It's not going to work. You you cannot beat an established radio station by doing the exact same thing, albeit with somehow even lesser talent, even less respected talent, even less established talent, or talent that has, frankly, passed their primes. Their time is gone in a lot of ways, and people just 
aren't interested. I'm sorry. People are not interested in what Drew Lane has to say anymore. Not in this town. And he was not the, on sports. He was the highest rated show at the station. By far. That's and that that all followed over from from his previous audience, I I think. But you see guys like Ryan Armani and guys like Tom Mazaway. Nobody well, they're cares. Doing, they're dancing a jig because Armani and Rico, uh, Rico Beard were like sixth last week in the 25 to 54 demo. Like after three years, you're excited that you got to number six in your target demographic. Listen, you could put me on for three months without pay. I'll do it three months without pay. And I guarantee you, in those three months, I would be in the top five in that demo. I would be embarrassed if after a few months I wasn't number two, only behind Valente and Foster. This is what you would be getting. Now, do I think it's ever going to happen? Please. Yeah. I mean, come on. I'm dead serious with my offer to them. But this is the station that called the cops on me. Everyone in that building absolutely fucking wants me to die. Uh, When that girl who was the marketing director or whatever of the station told us that we couldn't golf because they overbooked it and it had nothing to do with Joff Mess and the Detroit sports rag. And then when we got to the course and they called the cops out on me, and then people started emailing me crap about this girl's background in the business, and then I posted it on my website. I know you know all. Listen, I know you know everything about what I've done and what I've pulled, going after Drew Lane, making fun of Tom Mazaway on a podcast and calling him uh, his Hey Mom Better Call Tom concierge service where he was uh, shopping for the elderly and uh, what else was he doing? Oh, detailing cars. Yeah. Unwinding kids. Unwinding kids. I, I'm sure you've been told all the history about me. Well, it, it, I think it comes down really to this. Do you U- want to win? Ultimate. No, not even that. It's just, it's, well, yes, obviously that. But look, I understand if my association with you and the DSR would make it impossible for me to get a job at 105.1. I'm okay with that. Detroit is not my dream. Oh, but... What my dream is is to see quality sports talk radio in this town. Hire young talent. Go a different direction. I just started out in this industry, and I certainly don't have all the answers. I'm not going to pretend like I do. But you know what? The people who have been there, what they've done has not worked. Try something else. It's as simple as that. Well, I've laid out my plan. Uh, in an email, I've explained to Mr. Knight that without any infrastructure whatsoever except for my social media platforms, uh, I have a bigger audience than any of his current employees. What do you have to lose Nothing. by putting me on? Nothing. And let me tell you, like I said in the email, nobody at 97.1 wants me on the air. They don't think it's a joke. They might think it's a joke that I would even suggest it because of my history of uh, being a pariah, which I said, which, which in the email I said I was a pariah and an asshole, which I'm not sure how many quote unquote uh, job, um, what would you call that? Applications. I, applications where the person admits that they're a pariah, an asshole, and toxic. Yeah. All three of those words were used. Uh, I was completely upfront and honest. And everything I said to him, 
And if anybody knows anything about radio, why is Colin Cowherd successful? Why is Howard Stern successful? To a lesser extent, why is Mike Valente successful? Honesty. Does everybody like Mike Valente? Hell no. At least 60% of that audience hates him because they went to U of M, and they still listen because they've got no alternative until you put me on the air. Rush Limbaugh. I don't agree with his politics, but people listen because he's a compelling radio figure. Sean Hannity. Glenn fucking Beck, for Christ's sake. Are any of these people cookie-cutter, non-controversial personalities? Have none of those people burned bridges? I've napalmed probably more than all of them combined in this town. I won't lie about that. But you, please, don't tell me that I can't do better with a co-host and hopefully a program director like Greg Henson, because I don't know everything about radio. Clearly, I would I would need a tutorial. I would need a mentor. I would need guiding. I don't think I would walk in day one knowing everything just because I've been doing podcasts for a few years. There's a lot to the radio business that I don't know. Sure, but there's I, a technical right, aspect as well. On top of everything else. But I have a personality. I compel people to listen to what I say and to read what I write and to listen to this podcast. Go hire Greg Henson. Let him mold me into a radio broadcaster. I can't do this on my own. I'm not saying I can't, but I'm better than anyone that you have ever had at that station, and I would draw I would draw an audience. And when we come back, we will talk some sports, I guess, uh, but we well, will we, take a we, break. We have something about uh, a, a certain beat writer. We brought up beat writers oh, earlier. Yeah. We, we'll talk something about Something a certain that. beat writer said. And uh, tonight's uh, motif for the break music is, HBO uh, television shows, because I was just bored with all the music that we got playing. You can pick the music next week, which I I'm will. sure we'll have a lot of, uh, I don't know. It'll be hip-hop and happening. Yeah. We'll get. We'll be drawing that, millennial, say. that millennial crowd. Mm-hmm. We'll be lowering our age demographic. <laughs> this is a previously recorded episode. Back on episode 31 of the DSR podcast, Jeff Moss. Uh, along with co-host Jasper Marinovich, Apollo Apollonia, <laughs> I, I Morris my, I, Day I, in the Time. I changed my uh, my name on Twitter to Jasper Last Name, so we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. Jasper, the artist formerly known as Jasper. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll fig- we'll figure out sometime before you get a gig, I guess. Um, also, as always, producing the show, uh, Jessica Rangel. Oh, oops. Yeah. <laughs> Well, your name was in Daily I mean, Detroit. It's out there already, so the so secret really out. Mm-hmm. Secret is out, and yeah. uh, Mahir now knows your last name. So if I was you, I would probably just enter a witness relocation. I'd burn your social security card <laughs> ASAP. <laughs> I, I would move to some Scandinavian country as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, we terrible. almost forgot. Czech, how about the Czech Republic? No. Okay, <laughs> that sounds fine. Yeah, yeah, that's anyway, great. Okay. That's wonderful. Yeah. Poor Scott Andrews. We're going to have to have Scott here on. We're going to have to give him a, like, a rebuttal uh, time if he requests. I think he's kind of pissed at us. Our Scott Anderson, not the one that I would be attacking unmercifully. I would love to give the other Scott Anderson rebuttal time as well. That oh, yeah, would be a right. lot of fun. You're talking about the guy who ran away from my wife <laughs> once. At t- at co- Seriously? Yeah. So the Scott, Ander- so Scott Anderson, who works for 97.1, the yeah. morbidly obese uh, fanboy who doesn't understand advanced math, which we're going to get into in a second. Uh, 
was broadcasting live in front of Comerica Park a couple years ago. So I printed out one of my articles about 97.1. Yeah. I handed it to my wife, and I told her, go take it and ask him for an autograph mm-hmm. on it. So uh, he she walks up. He She asked for the autograph. He's like, oh, sure. She <laughs> sees the paper. He looks at it, and he goes... <laughs> Oh, I don't like those guys. They're mean or something. And he runs as fast as Scott Anderson can run. Waddles, Which is like Waddles a, a, I believe, is the correct right. verb. Uh, just took off for my wife. And we have it on video. It's on the website. You could We could post a link. But uh, Yeah, I want to watch it, that. It is pretty entertaining because <laughs> my wife just looks like soap and fuddle. She's like, what? Because I really didn't tell my wife why she was doing what she was doing. I just sent her in blindly. She was like, why is this guy slowly running away from me? Exactly. Well, I do think... On that note, we should go from one statistical denying idiot to another statistical denying idiot. Uh, I hate to, you know, we teased a comment. I hate to uh, Doug Karsh everyone after I just ripped him for doing the same thing. But today, Michael Wilbon, uh, Michael Jordan's personal lapdog. Wrote an article for... Part of the interruption co-host. Mm-hmm. Wrote an article for The Undefeated. Now, if you remember, The Undefeated was Jason Whitlock's pet project before he was unceremoniously dumped from ESPN for essentially getting ethered by Greg <laughs> Howard of Deadspin multiple times. And every single person under him at The Undefeated. Sure. Uh, and, who were you know, anyone... bombing him. Or anyone who's ever read anything by him or... Well, I think this was his lack of managerial skills. Look, I, I think I could be a good on the air, but I wouldn't probably be very good to uh, hire to run a ESPN website. And I don't think Jason Wicklock was either. No, he was a- not. Absolute disaster. And he was gone before they ever uh, made it to, well, we can't say print, but whatever, yes, but, the web. But the, the Undefeated has, in some way or another, made it onto the web. Uh, it's not what I be- think ESPN was really hoping for when they came up with the idea, but it is what it is. But today, Michael Wilbon came out with an article called Mission Impossible, African Americans and Analytics. And why blacks are not feeling the sports metrics movement. And, be, and before you go into your take on this, and I'm going to let you say whatever you want, I want to give you a little background. Because I don't know if you've even heard, read this. But this is a quote from uh, Will Bond, I think in the last year or two, about advanced metrics, saber metrics, whatever you want to call it. Uh, math and sports, if you want to just break it down to its most basic component. This is a quote from him regarding analytics. What bugs me now is that people in that people sit in their mother's basement and write this crap, and they don't have any knowledge of what is going on in that place, and it's too easy to get it. You can go to a game. You can go to a locker room. The only reason to read this stuff is to tell people why something happened, and if you're not there and you can't tell me why it happened, I don't care about all of your advanced analytics and all the other things you concoct. That was that. So that's Will Bonds, where, where he's entering this article that he's writing about African Americans and the saber metric movement. Now, with that background, which I'm not sure if you were familiar with, I, I was not. I so, like okay. that, I like that a guy who is a writer is talking about concocting things when in reference to math, which is a con- concrete <laughs> math is math. Words you can do whatever you want with. You can BS anything. Math is math. It's 
right every time. People are wrong, but math is never wrong. Two plus two is always four, no matter how many times you try and make it five. Anyway, bringing it back to this, and and I think we both are going to have quite a bit to say on this because this is one of the biggest pieces of crap I've ever read in in a long time. Um, I don't try and read things by crappy authors, but, well, you convinced me to. So I think the best thing we can do here is almost go on a paragraph-by-paragraph basis because there's so much in here that's so wrong. So we start out, like I said, the headline, Mission Impossible, African-Americans and Analytics. First off, shut up. You're, you're <laughs> basically in the headline, which I, he didn't write, but someone from The Undefeated, sure. which is being sold as an African-American uh, Grantland or Black 538. That's what it, I mean, that's what it's basically sure. being marketed as. Well, this Right off the bat, one of the first articles on your website – you're stating that it's impossible for black people to get on board with math and analytics. As I said on our DSR Facebook page when we were kind of spitballing about this topic, if a white person would have written this article, which we're going to get into to a little more detail, they would have been Jimmy the Greek so fast your head would have spun. Basically, what Wilbon is saying here is that black people are too emotional to get invested in analytics. I don't know how much more racist you could get than that. Other than Clarence Thomas, I'm not sure who sold out the African-American people more in the last 48 hours. Mike Wilbon basically saying that black people don't like math. I mean, what is, is this Chris Rock's? Uh, routine from Bring the Pain about <laughs> books go. being kryptonite. To, <laughs> I mean, seriously, if you don't want some, if you don't want a, a black person, I'm not going to say the word that Chris Rock used to steal something from your house, hide it in a book was basically uh, that rant. I, I guess what Wilbon is saying today in this article is if you is that African American people. Just don't want. This don't want uh, math. They don't want analysis. It's it just. It's insane. This article. But go on. Sure. Well, let, let's just start with the opening paragraph. He, Wilbon says the mission was to find black folks who spend any any time talking about advanced analytics, who con, whose conversations are framed by or even casually include references to win shares or effective shooting percentage, WHIP or points per hundred possession. Can I stop you right there for a second? Yes. The fact that the man thinks that WHIP. Is, is an advanced analytic in the first place shows in the first like 35 words how little he knows about the topic and his bias based on what I read from you just to you before how he enters this quote unquote think piece uh, from an absolute wrongful position from the beginning. Absolutely. Uh, con- continuing. It's a failed mission so far. Totally empty. Conclusions, advanced analytics and black folks hardly ever mix. Set aside the tiny handful of black men who make a living somewhere in the sports industry directly dealing with the numbers, and there is absolutely zero mingling. Well, okay, so you're saying that black people don't mix with analytics except for the ones who do, but let's set them aside. The general manager of the Toronto Raptors, let's forget him. Oh, yeah, yeah, Masai Ujiri, I I can never pronounce his name, but yeah, you know, the guy who won GM of the year, forget about him. And what's his inherent evidence to this? He goes on basically. He talks to five, count it, five total black people in this entire article. And I think three of them are athletes, like Draymond, Curry, 
Um, uh, Sean Livingston. Sean Livingston. Okay, he talked athletes on a whole, whether they're Chinese, African American, white from Mars, almost universally hate advanced math sabermetrics. You can talk to a black guy from the inner city of Chicago. Uh, an African-American gentleman from the Fifth Ward in Houston, or some hillbilly white guy from Oklahoma or Nebraska, one thing they will probably universally agree upon is that they don't believe in in sabermetrics. That's just a fact, okay? So three-fifths, hate to go with the three-fifths here. Wow, Hate hate to go with three-fifths. But three-fifths of the people that you interview or you're saying – are representational of the entire black community are athletes. When athletes are always going to be against math, they don't want to hear it. Continuing. Go to the barbershop one. Oh, yeah. That's where I was getting to. Log on to any mainstream website or media outlet, certainly any program within the ESPN empire, and 30 seconds cannot pass without extreme statistical analysis, which didn't even exist 20 years ago. Okay. Hijacking We'll get into that, too. But not in quote-unquote, black world, where never is heard an advanced analytical word. Not in urban barbershops, not in text chains during three-hour games, not around office water coolers, not even in press rooms or locker rooms where black folks who make a living in the industry spend all day and half the night talking about the most intimate details How many barbershops has this guy been around in the country? Has he given a single example? Okay, hold on a second. (laughs) Is he trying to tell me that Ice Cube, Cedric the Entertainer, and Nicki Minaj aren't talking about advanced math? Is that what he's saying? Because uh, you, you must have missed the war breakdown that Common had in, uh, in the middle of the movie. It was great stuff. Really enlightening. This is unbelievable to just paint an entire community. Because you I, haven't, you're not familiar with it. We, I guess I, black people don't read ESPN. Uh, first of Plus all, not. or or yeah, there's there's no black, no black zero people. black sure, people. Yeah, no black read, people read, read Fangraphs. Zero. None. There is not one person, black person, who reads Fangraphs. I'm sure there's zero black people who read Five Thirty Eight. Oh, I'm sure, of course, none. Well, because because of course, as as Wilbon will explain, uh, black people only run on emotion. By the way, I talked to one black person today mm-hmm. about this subject who is a devotee. Oh, wow. So then actually... Of analytics. Oh, great. So then actually I think we can counter and we can say every black person in the world loves advanced statistics. Exactly, because I talked to one guy who is so pissed at Wilbon that he's done with him after this article because uh, he's basically saying... You're almost taking to the extreme point of saying that African-American people are so emotional about sports that they can't possibly wrap their head around logic. That's what he's saying in this article. Could could you imagine saying that about women? Could you imagine saying about any group? And like I said, if it if he wasn't black, Wilbon, uh, he'd be probably 30-day uh, Bill Simmons suspended right now by ESPN. That's how offensive this article should be to the black community. You can go on. Well, he, I'm, I'm going to skip a couple paragraphs because he talks about talks to Sean Livingston. Sean Livingston actually gives a quote that makes more sense than anything else in this article. And I disagree with it, but I can at least understand where he's coming from. He you know says, which one you should go to? I, the I one think, that starts, of course, baseball is perfectly suited. Oh, yeah. One. I'm, I'm going yeah, to get to that, that one. Well, Livingston goes, I think the analytics are really overrated when it comes to putting a team together. What statistical analysis is going to tell you whether a guy is a good teammate, whether he can lead, whether he has his teammates back? 
Don't you have to see and figure that stuff out independent of any numbers? That's actually a decent point. I disagree that analytics and those things can't go hand in hand, but at least I can see where he's coming from that rather than just black people don't because, because they run off emotion. (sighs) Wilbon continues, of course, baseball is perfectly suited for advanced analytics. We can probably, which is true. We can probably connect baseball's unique explainability by the numbers to stat freaks obsessively deciding every sport's actions and decisions should be justified statistically. Baseball is the sport whose decisions are specifically made based on statistical probability, on the predictable outcome of lefty versus righty matchups, or the outcome of in the 20 previous confrontations between a pitcher and hitter, or defensive alignments and shifts. But baseball and everything else are radically different. Okay, can I can I say one thing about analytics? Forget the, the the offensive nature of this complete article to black people, where he's almost saying they're not intellectual enough to handle this, which is kind of what he's saying to me. When I was in middle school, I wrote an article, not an article, but a thesis or some sort of report about how baseball was so tied in to numbers. Okay. Baseball, going back to the 1800s, has been obsessed with analytics. This isn't a discussion about numbers. This is a discussion about numbers you like versus numbers you don't like. Numbers you like, runs batted in, batting average, pitcher wins. Those are all numbers. That's all all analytics. What you're saying is you don't like when that's extrapolated with someone with a fucking brain tries to devise a further calculation like wind above replacement, RC, RC plus, FIP, uh, FIP, XFIP, Sierra, all e- of those even things. Even something like OPS. Right. Which, he, which, by the way, OPS, once again, not really an advanced metric. No. But something that Michael Wilbon and his ilk think is or on-base percentage, these are all numbers. Baseball has always been about numbers. The only thing that's occurring in the last 20 years... The numbers got better. ...is the numbers have been improved. The whole entire reason that baseball is the only sport that cares about PEDs and steroids is because of the numbers, Michael Wilbon, because of your precious 61 of Roger Maris, because of 56, the hitting streak of Joe DiMaggio... Baseball is all about numbers. They were ingrained into me as a child. 7-14, Henry Aaron's home run record. We could go on and on. The last 400 hitter, Ted Williams. George Brett being the closest guy to get 400. These are all numbers, but these are not the numbers you like because you are stuck in the past and you refuse to learn the new figures. That's what this is all about. Well, the well, reason we don't have a, a more manageable, like 140 or 142 game season, which the season could end before football got in the way, where you would have let you could have more days off. Um, the reason that doesn't occur is because of the precious fucking numbers. Well, let, let's get back to the article because this is where, for me. Things get so intellectually offensive. By the way, Jum Pete is telling us don't go paragraph by paragraph. That's I'm not going paragraph by paragraph. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just giving you. I'm gonna. I'm, no, saying, don't go paragraph by here's paragraph. Here's where I'm going to get into where it gets into so intellectually insulting that 
it's it's so difficult not to get upset at him. Michael Wilbon relays a story about Steph Curry moving from shooting guard to point guard. Steph didn't cite any numbers when he... Uh, so Curry told Adonde that one of the biggest differences he noticed immediately was playing the point took him away from the corners on the court, where he felt most comfortable taking three-pointers. No shit, that's where the three-point line is at its shortest. Curry didn't cite any numbers, Math. just his comfort level shooting from the corners relative to the top of the arc. Only later, after the shift, did he learn how much better Curry was from the corners. One stat, according to ESPN Stats and Info, assigned Curry some number in excess of 100 for his three-point sniping from the corners. This tells you just how bogus the exercise is if the percentage reports to be greater than 100. It's like calculating points per 100 possessions, a very popular go-to stat in NBA circles. Why is that more important than points per 48 minutes, which is the actual time in which an NBA game is played? Now, Michael Wilbon, you dunce. You have been covering the NBA for how many years? This is where it, it you're an idiot because you talk about, oh, you need to see the game on the court, not just have the statistics. I agree. It's clear you don't understand either. Either. Because points per 48 minutes is not pace adjusted. That is the point of 100 possessions because everyone who gets 100 possessions how many points do you score within those 100 possessions? If you go by per 48, then you would say, oh, well, I guess the Phoenix Suns were a far more efficient offensive team than the San Antonio Spurs. Just look how many points, more points per 48 they because ran. Because the Spurs you're ignoring, every you're, six seconds. You're just, ignoring yeah. tempo. Right. You're ignoring the most basic part of basketball strategy, how you play the game. Okay, it gets worse because then he goes into this. And then rant. he gets racist. Then he gets racist. Then he goes into a rant how black people are more into end zone dances, the high five, uh, guttural, guttural releases after dunks and quarterback sacks. Okay, and that they don't care about the numbers, which is uh, we are, based on what? Based on the 10 people you know? This is disgusting. It is absolutely racist. I, I, I just. I, is. When they when they fired Whitlock, did they hire an editor to replace him? Did anyone review this and see how offensive this was going to be? Not only to the Saber community, to any black person who does put an emphasis on Saber metrics. Then, on top of all of that, and we're going to finish up with this and then we're going to go into the Red Wings. Yes. On top of all of that, he basically blames the fact that this is could be a way to keep black people out of front office front office positions which I, at this point it's that's more inf- offensive than anything cuz what you're saying is black people aren't even pe- black people who are in the business of sports aren't going are what they're too lazy they're they're that uh stubborn that they're not going to learn about these new measures and that's going to prevent them from getting a job? Like this is some conspiracy? I don't know. The people I know who are who advance metrics are white, black, Jewish, Indian, Chinese, Ed Fang, Prashanth Iyer, all, all across the spectrum. This isn't something that is broken down by socioeconomical uh for reasons of that or color. It's either you want to get learn more about the sport, or you don't. And 
He says that black people are more passionate? That the, that the passion is overtakes them that they can't... I don't know. I think I'm pretty passionate about the Red Wings and the, and, the, and the Tigers. I think you're pretty passionate about the Tigers and Syracuse basketball. Passionate about all the sports yeah. teams I like. Yeah. But I can also mix that in with having logic and math involved. How about, how about this hypothetical uh, conversation he begins with a white guy, apparently, talking to a black guy? Well, this organization is strong on, on advanced analytics. And, well, you know, a lot of people just don't share our organizational philosophy. Fuck off. Fuck off, Michael Wilbon. I, that's, that's, that's all I have. That is the most – that is such bullshit. It's fake. It, you are you just completely fabricating conversations. You're completely fabricating conspiracies. Oh, and then, of course, Wilbon, the great writer of so many years – Ends the article in the <laughs> middle of a quote about Dwight Howard that he just does not follow up on. Yeah, and let's we'll finish this, then we'll go to break, and we'll get Anthony Ciotti to talk about the Red Wings. But the Dwight Howard thing is so ridiculous, basically stating that someone, some team is going to sign Dwight Howard solely based on I don't know per or points per forty eight or whatever advanced stat, and that some GM is just going to completely ignore his personality. In what bizarro universe? alternate world does that exist where any person who puts math into the equation of who you should sign, who you should draft, is going to totally ignore that Dwight Howard's a knucklehead. That's not, that. What? Where is he? What's he even talking well, about? You know, though, but you know, if you um, if you follow advanced statistics, you don't watch games. It's impossible right. to do right. both. And you course. live in your mom's basement. And you live in your mom's basement, which we should go to in which we'll get into after the break. A comment about mom's basement, which. Uh, it's 2016. We're not done with that. We'll come back. We're going to talk about the Red Wings and the Illich issue with Anthony Ciotti, and then we'll close out uh, episode 31 of the DSR podcast. Thanks for joining us. Oh, and we're going to give away Tiger tickets. This is a previously recorded episode. All the we are back on the DSR podcast episode number Right now we're going to give away a couple of Tiger tickets tomorrow's game against the Phillies, 1 p.m. start time. Uh, the ninth caller will get the tickets. The phone number to call, this is sponsored, by the way, by CaliTickets.com, C-A-L-I, Tickets.com. Uh, ninth caller to 877-225-8425 will get two tickets to tomorrow's Tigers-Phillies game. Who's on the mound today? Is tomorrow Sanchez? Mm. I, think, I think Sanchez. 877-225-8425 uh, gets two tickets to tomorrow's Redwing game. Thanks to... Uh, KellyTickets.com for all your tickets needs. Go to KellyTickets.com. Uh, we're going to transition from talking about uh, analytics and uh, morons. The, the uh, ho- just horrific uh, column that those dropped today. I mean, how I, I, I can only imagine how bad undefeated would have been under Jason Whitlock's leadership, but it couldn't have been any worse. Than, than that article. So let's uh, talk about the Red Wings. I wrote an article last week about, I think, eight things I thought that the Red Wings should uh, do this offseason. Uh, actually, there was nine, but by the time I wrote the article, Pat Fershweiler had already been removed from behind the uh, Red Wings bench, and I think he's going to be making popcorn at the uh, Joe Louis Arena this upcoming season. Guest on the show, our DSR uh, Red Wings uh, anal- analyst, Anthony Ciotti, uh, hopefully your phone connection is 
better today than it was the last time you were on because Spiro was already bombing this program uh, on Twitter. I, I have been unceremoniously blocked, I assume, <laughs> because uh, because I, I don't know, took this gig. Poor Jasper with no last name. That's yeah. very sad. <laughs> How you doing, Anthony? I'm great. How are you guys? Oh, we're okay. Uh, before we get into this, just uh, to connect kind of a segue between our last topic and this one. Why don't you read MLive.com beat writer for the Detroit Red Wings, Ansar Khan, uh, what he said in a, uh, I think, a message response under one of his articles the other yeah, day. Can you, can you read that question and answer? Absolutely. Uh, uh, somebody wrote under his article, any update on the analytics position? Khan responded, the list of candidates is trimmed considerably after you've eliminated guys who live in their parents' basement. Any any response to that, Mr. Ciotti? I mean, <laughs> it's kind of it kind of reflects like the old uh, old school mentality uh, that a lot of these guys have. Um, it, you know, it's not just in the sport, but in the, in the media as well. Um, you know, just the the threat that bloggers pose, and also a lot of these guys that are doing a lot of analytics. You know, some of them are doing it out of their parents' basement because they're younger. They're you know they're in school. I mean, what's the big deal? It's these it's really smart people. Uh, working, you know, working hard, working on their own, being creative, um, you know, and part of being creative is asking the right questions. And, you know, a lot of these guys are asking the right questions and coming up with answers and, you know, the tracking projects that are going on right now. It's, it's, it's really exciting, um, you know, and to poo-poo that uh, like Khan did, you know, it's kind of disappointing, but, um, you know, not entirely surprising. Um, you know, some of the mainstream media in all sports hasn't really picked up on that, so. Yeah, it, it, it's just it's it's so embarrassing. This town, uh, those the three beat writers uh, for for the Red Wings. I'm not even going to mention their names again, but it's just ridiculous. And they're obviously bitter that people like uh, our friend Prashant Iyer, who who is who brought this to our attention, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. We should give credit to <laughs> as, Prashant. As yeah. I don't think any of us read exactly. to answer our comments. I, I don't want to not give anybody not. I don't want to not give anyone credit. So yeah, Prashant brought this whole entire question. I, I don't peruse the uh, comments of Ansar Khan's articles. Nor although, do I although apparently he does. No, I think one of uh, Prashant's fans did. Oh, I, I, I meant apparently Khan oh, peruses his own yeah, comments. Exactly. I, I ignore my comments. But uh, it just, it's just a joke. This town is so ass-backwards that we don't even have one person who's covering this, the Red Wings who believes in looking, delving into any of these numbers, which is why the questions of Ken Holland and Jeff Blashill are embarrassing and that nothing ever, you know, there's never any tough questions asked because these guys don't know what the tough questions are to ask in the first place. Now, moving on to uh, the article I wrote, I'm just wondering, there was eight points that I had mentioned uh, in the uh, my Red Wings, what they should do this year. I'll go over some of them real quick. Uh, one... Uh, was to try to trade Zetterberg, if possible. Of all the bad contracts, I thought his might be the one that they could deal. Uh, you would also be extricating Jeff Blashill's uh, saboteur by doing so. Uh, another one was by eating the contract of Pavel Datsuk, the $7.5 million, because why give Ken Holland $7.5 million to spend this year when it's probably just going to blow up in their face a la... Michael Samuelson, um, we could we could go on and on. Jordan Tutu, uh, Richards, uh, apologizing to all the young players who they've denigrated either in the press 
or just by their lack of ice time. Smith, Pulkinen, Yurko, uh, Athanasiu, the list goes on and on. Try to trade Howard, uh, not re-sign any of the free, free agents, including Helm, Quincy, and Miller. And there's other things I mentioned. I'm just wondering if there was anything in, of, in my article that you disagreed with. Um, not, not necessarily. I think that um, I think they're all very good points. Um, you know, I I think that um, it's really important. Uh, all, number one, to kind of start leaning on the younger players. Um, number two, to try to trade some of the big contracts. Like I do, I do think that Zetterberg might be attractive. Um, I think that moving a lot of this money off the books um, next season is, is going to be important. I think, you know, I think maybe a year or two ago. They had the opportunity to, to reload on the fly with all the good drafting they had done, um, and now they have all these like kind of overripe defensemen and some of these overripe forwards that they're not really using. Those are guys you could have flipped for, you know, like a Dougie Hamilton, uh, you know, guys entering their prime um, where you can package two or three prospects and a couple draft picks for, um, you know, for a top, you know, 22 or 23 year old. Um, now they're at the point where they're going to have to kind of go into somewhat of a rebuild mode um, because of these contracts. Um, I do think they can get rid of the applicator contract at the expansion draft um, if they're lucky. Um, I think that's kind, of, you know, not out of the question. Um, well, I don't. That, I mean, I don't think that they're going to get rid of the. I don't think they want to get rid of. I mean, they just signed the guy six months ago to that contract. I don't think there's any interest in Ken Holland's mind of trading the guy who's probably going to be the next captain of the team. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from like your perspective like what they right. should do not what kind right of right right do. i mean we know what we kind of know what he's going to do <laughs> um you know but as far as like what he should do um they do need to start getting some of this money off the books i do think nyquist is a tradable deal if you're trying to reload like if you're trying to make the playoffs i think they have to try to flip nyquist for a defenseman um you know and, and I, I understand that the uh the directive might be to make the playoffs so they do have to look into that especially since they have some backfill already on the roster and and yurko mantha polkin and um, you know, I think that the defense is a pretty bad logjam. They're going to lose Quincy, uh, and that's it. So they have six guys most likely coming back. Uh, DeKaiser and Marchenko are restricted free agents. So they have six guys, and they have three or four pretty good prospects uh, in the AHL that would, you know, three of these guys are not waiver exempt anymore. Uh, so they're going to have a lot of work to do on the defense. Um, that's why I think that maybe moving Cronwall and Erickson might be really important as well. Um, I don't think they'll do that. You know, but how can um, that they? would be something. How could they possibly trade those two awful contracts unless you gave up a premium prospect and eight money? And I'm not even sure anyone would want those contracts if you did that. Yeah, that's the problem. Is if you're if you so if you're eating the money, like so if you eat like you know a third or you know half of each one of those deals. Now Erickson is effectively making you know three million to the team that takes them and Cromwell's effectively making like three and a half or whatever. Like that becomes a little bit more palatable to a team. Um, you know, especially like if it's kind of an older, you know, old school leadership where they're all the leadership in the room and all that stuff, uh, that might be a sell. Um, but I, I do agree that's like a huge, you know, it's a huge hurdle to clear. Um, otherwise they're in, they're in big trouble. I mean, that, that Cromwell deal goes through 2018, 2019. Erickson goes through 2020 which is kind of unreal. Like if you look at the general manager page and not want to like smash your head into a table, um, I give you a lot of credit because it's, it's pretty bad. Um, Center biggest 2021 applicators, 2023. Um, you know, and I, so I guess kind of shifting gears, like I do agree they should trade Howard. Um, and I do agree that the, the, 
but you know the iron being hot was most likely last year. They might have to eat some money, or um, you know give up a draft pick along with that. There are some teams that are going to need need goalies though, but that's going to be tough because he makes five you know five and a quarter. Well, uh, and, they've got a lot of work to do. Anthony, uh, you know we're talking about they have to get some of these contracts off the book. They absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. What happens if they don't? <laughs> because over the past few years, Ken Holland has not proven that he's able to manage the cap well. He's proven that he's not able to make trades that are beneficial to this team. He's not even able to make trades that seem like they're no-brainers. Like moving Jimmy Howard last year seemed like something – it almost seemed like a foregone conclusion for a lot of Red Wings fan. I think. Coming into the season was, okay, they're going to move Howard at some point, and then they never did. So – if they're going to continue along this path where they're not making good trades, where now they're not going to be able to make free agent signings because of the way the Canadian dollar is trending, where does this team stand in a year or two years? I, I think in the short term, it's really bad because if you look, um, where are their, who are their centers going to be? So Zetterberg doesn't really play center anymore, and he's, he's really like an ineffective top six player at this point. Um, Datsuk, assuming he's gone and they have to eat that money. So working under those assumptions, they're they're working on like a sixty something million dollar cap and they're also eating a million of Stephen Weiss next year. So they're like they're at almost nine million um, dead money next year. Your number one center is Dylan Larkin and your number two center is Athanasiu. Like that's not gonna win you a lot of games, even though those guys are really good. Um, I mean it's really hard to win with a twenty and a twenty two year old center like right down the middle um, in your top six. So right away they're in big trouble. They need a top six center, maybe two. And acquiring one um, with the cap inflexibility they have would be a big problem. So, which is why right I there, right, which is so. why I suggested that you take a step back in the last year of the Joel Lewis Arena. Uh, you just you don't trade Datsuk's contract along with Pulkinen or Yurko, whoever you have to give up, so some team is willing to take on uh, that that contract, and you just let the the young players play. Uh, and, and see what you have after a year. And then next season, maybe you can work something out because there's one year less on Cronwall's deal. There's one year less on Erickson's deal, whether it's a buyout or uh, it's a trade where you're eating money and, and one of the prospects that uh, is kind of an overflow at that point, you deal. I don't know who that is. If it's uh, you know, They got Bertuzzi. They've got the Russian. There's so many guys coming up. They don't have room for all of them if they even all panned out. They really don't. So it would right. seem to me that you let this play out. Uh, at some point, you you give Bertuzzi an audition in 2016 and 17. Uh, you you rotate uh, at least two of the three defensemen, Sproul, Ouellette, and Jensen, probably with Jensen being the one that they either uh, deal or expose to the waiver wire, uh, and, and just play. You, you, that's how you play it out. But here's the thing. I've been told by a Red Wing source that – while Ken Holland might be open to such a uh, one-year trial run where it either works out and the young players thrive, someone like Shahan steps up big time, um, or Larkin and Anthony or whatever, and, and they somehow do sneak into the playoffs, or you bomb out and you end up with a top five or six or seven draft choice, something that we've heard Ken Holland complain that he hasn't had uh, since 1990, you're playing the last year in that building, uh, and and when the the new arena opens, you've got more room. 
maybe you make a run at someone, uh, I don't know, like if Victor Hedman still a uh, has, hasn't signed because he's going to hit the mother load. Um, I, I, just don't, I just don't get where the downfall is. But what I'm told is that Chris Illich, basically the de facto owner of the team, does not want that to occur. That there is no way he wants that. And that's why Holland came out and said it would take 8 to 10 years to rebuild. When nobody's suggesting rebuild. And I went through recent Detroit sports teams when they've hit rock bottom, basically. The 2003 Tigers. The Lions team that lost uh, all 16 games. Oh, nine Pistons. Right. The Pistons, the Pistons win, uh, they lost Grand Hill, and people thought they, they were going to be dead for uh, you know 10 to 12 years, basically, because they lost their one superstar, and they were getting some scrub named Ben Wallace back, and four years later, they're winning the championship. So I, I, I think there's a disagreement, maybe, between Holland and Chris Illich, but if Chris Illich, Chris Illich is running the checks, and he doesn't want this team to do what is probably the smart thing to get this the balance sheet in order, what hope as Red Wing fans do we have? I, I don't see what the option is. Um, so I think a really another really good example is Tampa Bay. Uh, so they, uh, Eisenman took over, and I think it was either the first or second season they made the conference finals. Um, and then they had to turn the team, team over, make the playoffs for two years, and now are like on the brink of their second straight um, Stanley Cup Finals run. So they've they've made the conference finals three times uh, under Eiserman, and uh, since Eiserman's left, I think the Wings have won three playoff series. So, right. I mean, you could you could turn it over really quickly. They like I said, they were only bad for two years. The Wings could do this as well, especially now that they have those two guys down the middle. Um, it makes it a little bit easier. Uh, they're going to get a good. They're probably going to get a good player at. Uh, I think they pick 16th this year. Um, the draft is fairly deep up until that point. They might get a pretty good defenseman. There's three or four really, really good defensemen. Um, one of them might slip. Uh, so they're probably going to get a good player this year at 15, um, 15 or 16. Next year, if they do that soft tank where, you know, Glenn Glendening is their second-line center and they end up in the bottom five, which is totally easy to do, um, they could get another good – they could get a really good pick, and then they could be back in it, you know, 2017, 2018 when the arena opens. With what you're saying, though, um, with them having to make the playoffs, I think the ship has really sailed on them being – fiercely competitive um, without doing a, a real rebuild. They missed that boat over the last three or four years, um, you know, by Holland sitting on prospects, not doing, not flipping players um, and signing, um, signing poor performers to, you know, long-term deals, you know, aging players. Um, so now they're in a position where they're not going to be able to just kind of reload on the fly, unfortunately. Um, so I do agree with you. It would be good to take a step back Um and I, you know, without doing so, they're probably going to be um, cursed to mediocrity for a few more years, especially because of these bad deals. Well, and, and I talked to Brashant about my article privately, and he said the one thing he kind of disagreed with was he thought that the Red Wings should try to ship Pavel Datsuk's uh, 7.5 million dead cap space, and if he had, they, if they had to give up Pulkinen or someone like that, that because of the influx of all the young guys who are kind of at the similar level uh, in in the system that it wouldn't be crushing to give up someone like Pulkinen, and then for them to maybe go after someone like Stamkos. Um, and that was Prashant's uh, opinion. Uh, I'm wondering what you think of that. I, I, so I don't necessarily have a problem with them giving up somebody. I would. I think Pulkinen's probably I, – I still believe in him as a goal scorer. You know, I don't think he's gotten the right situation yet. I think if he was with a really good passer on a scoring line, he could get, he could get close to 30 goals just because he's got the elite shot. Um, 
I mean, but you know, they have Manta, they have Yurko, like they could probably pull it off. Like what you're saying, um, to go and get Stamkos, you know, uh, in, in, you know, in exchange for that, uh, you know, $7.5 million chance hit. Um, I mean, he's going to start declining as well. So they're going to have a ton of money tied up in him. And then at the same time, when they're really ready to take off with, um, you know, with, with Larkin and Anthony Sioux and a couple of these other young guys, um, you know, Stamkos will be on a decline and he'll be a $10.5 million cap hit or whatever, you know, whatever he's going to make. Uh, so that, that doesn't really line up to the window. I mean, Stamkos will keep them in the playoffs most likely, but I mean, what are you trying to do? Like if you're trying to tread water, I mean, that might be the move to make. Uh, if you're trying to kind of hit the reset button and be really competitive, um, you know, with your Toronto's and Carolina's, um, all those teams that are kind of up and coming Buffalo, um, you're gonna have to take a step back to get uh, to go forward. Um, so, I mean, if they did it, and their goal was to really make the playoffs or kind of just be, you know, the t- the twelfth best team every year, like they could absolutely do that with Stamkos um, in exchange, you know, giving up that six cap hit. But I mean, what's the point? Well, Anthony, you also have to wonder: Would Stamkos even consider Detroit? Because at, unless they're going to give him way too much money, because at this point, when's the last really? Uh, quality free agent signing this team has made. Yeah. Hosa win. Hosa. Hosa have who, to be call, who called, whose agent, Rich Winter, called Ken Holland while he was pumping gas at a mobile gas station and said, uh, Hosa wants to come here. I mean, that was the last good signing, the, the last, and it was directed by Rich Winter. The last good impact trade they made was Brad Stewart. I, yeah. It's hard to see why any elite talent would come to Detroit because the fact of the matter is, when remember when Ryan Suter and Zach Parise hit the market a couple years ago, and everyone, everyone in this area thought both of them. Well, not, at least Suter, not Parise, least, yes. but maybe not. Most Parise, people thought Suter was. Most coming. people thought Suter was coming. A lot of people had a lot of hope for Parise as well, and it really turned out that they didn't give a shit about coming to Detroit, and they didn't care. It seems as though the ownership and the the mem- uh, the uh, the front office has this twisted idea of what they are at this point. I don't think that they are lit. They are working in the same reality as the rest of the NHL or their fan base, or their fan base, which seems to be Anthony more reasonable about their future and expectations than the owner and the GM. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, there, I mean, that's not even a given that a player of Stamkos' caliber would want to come here, especially for you know their their post prime years where they're going to need you know they're going to want to win, uh, and especially if Toronto really does want to sign him, why would he ever come to Detroit? So yeah, that's it's a totally uphill battle right there. Um, and you know, I, I totally agree with, with everything else you said on that. Well, and, and so you get so you trade Datsuk and, and, and Pulkinen or whatever you've got to give up or a second round pick, and, and you know, and give up another prospect. When you've already given up uh, Nestorsil, uh, Jan Mark, Jan Kroc, the list goes on and on. Uh, you give up another prospect, and you know Ken Holland goes out and signs David Backus, which is you know the prototypical Ken Holland move. Mm-hmm. Not learning the lesson of the last five or six years, where it seems the only goal is to sneak into the playoffs by any means necessary uh, to continue this streak. That, like I said, the Red Wings. Brass seem to care more about than the fans, which makes no sense because so you're getting two or three extra playoff dates. 
uh, out of this? Yeah. What's I mean, it make you, sense? you're at the point I think where we really have to say I don't think Stamkos is an option, and I think Red Wings fans have to consider where this team is going to be able, what this team is going to be able to do, even if they do get rid of some of these contracts. I don't know if they're going to be able to make an impact signing. I think what they really should be doing, and I don't know if they would do this because they've passed on these opportunities before, is they should be looking at these teams that are up against the cap that can't keep um, some of their prime young talent. So, you know, for example, Winnipeg has got to make a decision about Jacob Trudeau. Um, Colorado doesn't seem to be in love with Tyson Berry. Those guys are in their either in their prime or before their prime. Um, that's why you draft so well. So you can go and trade three or four you know, good assets for one of those guys who's on a value deal and who's improving. And the last thing we'll say, because we got running up his clock, though, it's a great mm-hmm. point, and it was the Tigers' model. The Tigers' mm-hmm. model was to trade Cameron Mabin and Andrew Miller when they were two of the top 15 or 20 prospects in baseball for Miguel Cabrera. Or when they, you know, you can go down the line. That was what they're. That's what the the Tigers did. They before yeah, the, these prospects could bomb out, trade two or three of them for a legitimate twenty eight or twenty nine year old star, and that's how you go about building the team. And Ken Holland has had absolutely no predis, predisposition to do that. Yeah, how, how different does this team look right now if they have Dougie Hamilton and you know uh, Bo Meester, for example? Uh, and their top pair, and you know, and then Mike Green and uh, Smith are your second pair. Like, you're looking at a pretty good defense now, instead of like one of the worst in the league. And those are the things; those guys were all very, um, you know, easily could have been acquired with the assets they had. Because, like I said, they drafted very well, so and they just kind of failed to turn good drafts into anything tangible. Appreciate you joining us, Anthony. Even though, once again, anytime we seem we talk about the Red Wings, it's absolutely depressing. Uh, hopefully, Ken Holland. <laughs> Does the right thing and follows my eight-point plan. At least, uh, uh, you know, a lot of it. And I, because I just want to see the young guys play next year, and I think a lot of fans do. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks uh, to Jasper Marinovich, Apollonia Apollo. Thanks to Jessica Sarah Rangel. Maybe we'll put a poll. We should change yeah. your last name. Next hey, ho- week. hopefully, ne- hopefully next week, uh, Justin Spiro will will actually like our show. So we'll uh, see. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about it. I'm, oh, right. I'm real terrified about Ow. his approval. Don't don't be mean. I'm not. I just don't. I'm not. Listen, I'm, this show is for more than one person. Sorry. Uh, we will uh, talk to you next Tuesday. As a matter of fact, I, I, there might be some discussion with uh, Bob and Dave at some point now with the new studio of expanding this show. If I don't get that, you know, if the two of us don't get that gig at 105.1, uh, maybe expanding God the show. God forbid. One hour instead of two hours, and maybe a couple times a week. Or yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll talk about that in the future. Thanks for joining us, and have a good evening. This is a previously recorded episode.